Hi, my name is Alethea Aliare, and this is the Clean Your Room podcast. This is season one, episode 14, and I'm recording this on Friday, June 11th, 2021 in Los Angeles, California. Hello, and thank you for continuing to listen to the show. I really appreciate all of your support. I'm seeing so many more countries now on the analytics page, and it's an amazing feeling. That means I have 42 countries on my analytics, which that that means I have listeners on every continent except Antarctica, which actually I don't know would ever show up on the list because I don't think it's technically a country. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I, I just hope that the stuff that I'm saying isn't too Western centric. Since I do live in the West, there is a certain amount of that that I cannot help. But I do think I bring enough sensibilities from other cultures and other places to hopefully make this relevant to people elsewhere in the world. Um, The other reason I bring that up is because this week's episode is all about plants and the things that plants need. I mean, each plant usually needs a specific set of things, a certain amount of light, temperature, humidity, water, etc. And um, but that environment is going to vary very widely all over the world. So while in this episode, I'm going to describe plant care in ways that it mainly pertains to me where I live in Southern California, and it's cleaning and organization aspects, uh, I would encourage you to figure out how to garden in your own particular place in the world. And really, plant parenting is very much about um, learning to understand what makes plants thrive, what harms them, and how that relates to your space and well-being. So if you can make those things match, you can, you know, have a really great garden indoors or out. Um, And I feel like I usually have a ton more stuff to talk about in terms of cleaning. But this week, all I did was get rid of cleaning products. So is cleaning product related and it's also organization related. I got rid of a ton of stuff and I can see the undersides now of the three sinks that we have in our apartment because a great person in my buy nothing group uh, volunteered to clean house for their elderly neighbor and she needed free cleaning surprise supplies and I gave her all of mine. Um, admittedly, that's probably... Um, more of a boon to me than to her. Some of the things maybe didn't work so great, which is probably why I had them sitting around after a bunch of years, but hopefully they work, you know, with, with what she needs. I also gave her some practical things like sponges and gloves and, you know, tubs and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I don't actually know if I helped her more than I helped myself, but I'm grateful to that person. And, uh, yeah, that, that was my cleaning news for this week. I've a ton more to say. I'll try to be brief. Um, we watched a lot of really amazing, uh, things this week that I'm, I'm probably going to end up putting on my rotation of things to listen to while doing chores. Um, someday when the Loki series is complete, I really look forward to, you know, just playing that on a loop because the the first episode was so, so good. So it's uh, Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson. This is not an ad for Disney Plus, by the way. I just really uh, love the casting for this show. Uh, Wunmi Misaku, who you may have seen as Ruby in Lovecraft Country from HBO, is also in this. So exciting. Um, And uh, who else? Gugum Batha Ra and 
uh, Eugene Cordero. That's right. Pillboy from The Good Place is also in Loki. And uh, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to um, the rest of the series. Uh, the other thing that we watched, um, which I'm going to listen to over and over and over again, is In the Heights. That's the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical, but it's the the film version by John Chu is on. Uh, is it John M. Chu? I don't know. I don't I don't watch enough of his movies, apparently, to know his complete name. I think that's correct. Um, it's on HBO or it's been on HBO Max for the past week and it's also in theaters, but we still don't feel like going to the movie theater. So I think I'm just going to, you know, put the headphones on, listen to it over and over while I do my do my chores each week. Um, let's see. Uh, also, not cleaning related. Um, but gardening related, I got to see my family last weekend. We got together for lunch in my aunt and uncle's driveway. <laughs> they have a new uh, grandbaby, so I get to see her. Um, we had a lot of really good Filipino food. That was the highlight of my weekend. Um, I swear this folds into the plant theme for this episode. My my aunt, whose house that was, um, she has a serious green thumb. And uh, she, we basically walked around her front and back garden and she just had clippers and she would cut things and pull things out of the ground and put them in a box. And I, I took all of them home and I stuck them in the dirt and hopefully most of those things will, will grow. I'll give you some updates on that as well. And also I just took a whole bunch of really beautiful um, photos of her garden. I'm really jealous of, of what she has up there, but uh, yeah, I'm, she, she gave me quite a bit of it to take home, so maybe I shouldn't be so jealous. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention is, um, I may have mentioned it already in the past, but just to go over it again and put a little more into it. I read a book a few weeks ago. is the first cozy mystery uh, that is Filipino themed. So it's first in a series of three books by Mia P. Manansala. And uh, the series is called Tita Rosie's Kitchen Mysteries, Tita's Aunt in Tagalog. And it's also the first millennial cozy murder mystery I've ever read. And so I'm totally craving more, even though I'm not a millennial. I'm technically a Gen Xer. But um, the book is called, the first book is called Arsenic and Adobo. Adobo is a chicken or pork dish made with soy sauce and vinegar. Yeah, she has recipes in the back of the book, so you don't have to ask me for them. You can just check the back of the book or her website probably has something like that. Uh, you know what? Sign up for her email newsletter because I think there are always recipes when she puts those out. So I loved the book. Uh, the main character is a young Filipino-American named Lila, who, after a series of unfortunate events, has to move back to her small Midwestern hometown to help out her aunt's struggling restaurant. And then her ex-boyfriend, who is the local food critic, drops dead in the middle of brunch. So as the author has put it, she, I was in like a Zoom session that she did for Solano Library. It's a rom-com with a body count. And uh, I had a lot of fun reading. I did not quite guess who done it and how. So that I felt impressed by that because usually I can guess. Um, and I can't wait until the next one. It comes out next February. It's called Homicide and Halo Halo. Halo Halo is a Filipino dessert, which is, it just means mix mix. And so it's a, a mishmash of stuff. So if you think of um, like kind of shaved ice, but with like syrup and milk and beans and crazy things in it. So 
It's delicious. Just trust me on that. Uh, anyway, I already read the book, but I went ahead and also bought the audiobook so that I can add it to my things to listen to while doing chores. Um, so I'll probably be cleaning my fridge very soon and listening to it again, even though I've already read it. So congratulations to Mia P. Manansala on her debut novel, and I hope that there will be many more from that. I know it's only contracted for three books right now, but hey, that doesn't mean there can't be more. What's not to like? Uh, it's funny, romantic, and food-centric, and murder. Um, some really, I hope a, a whole new generation of mystery readers gets into these. Um, okay, so enough gushing about books and TV for the moment. Here is an ad and it's on with the show. So what about plants relates to cleaning and organization? I actually think of plant parenthood as kind of next level cleanliness. And I think you can skip to this even if you, even if your place is kind of a mess or you're still working towards an organized and clean space. Um, I think one, they're useful. They, they purify the air, depending on what kind you have. They produce oxy oxygen at different times of day. So they help like, you know, they help you breathe easier in your home. They're also, a lot of them are really pretty and decorative. And I feel like um, they also kind of, because they have such specific needs of where they need to be in terms of where has the best light and where does it not have drafts and you know that kind of stuff it they they want to be put in a specific place and that um kind of forces you to design or organize your stuff around where the plants do best so i don't know if that makes sense um it makes sense to me um i do also find and i haven't read too many articles necessarily uh, or not scholarly ones anyway, more just like interior design things that, that say that they're calming, that they help you focus. That's probably true. I find mostly for me that they really help to drive my enthusiasm for learning and creativity. I think there's a certain level of pandemic boredom that they relieve for me. And again, I haven't read that many articles actually on how the pandemic has sent interest in plant parenthood and making sourdough bread and all these other hobbies skyrocketing um, versus pre-pandemic levels of plant ownership and stuff. But I, I feel like I don't really need to read them because I, I'm living in it. I don't have a sourdough starter, but I do have uh, a house full of plants. Um, and I, for a long time, like at least 10, 15 years, really considered myself to have a black thumb in the sense that, um, yeah, I was killing a lot of plants. There were certain plants that were just like unkillable. I think they were like $1 cacti that I got at Ikea. So those were really great, but also like, you know, not that pretty to me and also kind of a pain in the butt. So I actually gave them away to a friend um, before, before we moved from our last apartment because they just they were prickly and I didn't want to deal with them anymore. And you can't have them indoors with cats as well because cats are curious and someone's going to get hurt. So I have stopped keeping cacti around, even even outdoors on our patio. Um, I think part of it was that um, the apartment that we had had really terrible lighting. So you would, you would either burn things to death 
um, by setting them in a particular place or they would just die from lack of sunlight if if they were put in a different place or, you know, it would be too dark and humid all the time. So they would get mold and die. Uh, basically, yeah, I, kill, I killed a lot of stuff. You can ask my neighbor, um, my neighbor, Pepper. I actually went to high school with her and she's still gardening in the same place that we kept trying to garden before and she's had all kinds of problems although she says her tomatoes are doing really well this year so uh yeah I mean some of that really was just me uh not not being able to um meet the needs of my plants in the space that I had um I think the other thing so I kind of like ramped up to the level of plant um want to say fanaticism that that I have right now um, but I started with uh, early last spring when it was like a little bit uh, we were a, a bit unsure whether we were going to be able to get groceries on a regular basis I mean we had been able to do so but we also kind of felt like at any time that might stop or certain things would become unavailable that was when like flour was really unavailable and yeast was like really like I had to order yeast on the internet because you could not find it anywhere um and uh so I had started uh getting a weekly delivery box and this is not an ad just like earlier was not an ad for HBO Max or Disney Plus this is not an ad for the um food service box that I was receiving but um this is it's the kind of meal where uh, nothing is cooked for you, but everything's just in a bag with a recipe and you just have to um, prep everything and cook it. But you don't really have to think about, you know, collecting the ingredients and stuff. Everything's thought out for you. Um, and I would end up for whatever reason, maybe they're just cheap or just flavorful. My husband actually can't eat them, but almost every meal that I got had green onions in it. So I had this slowly growing mass of green onions that I would just um, chop the tops off. And then I would take the bottom like white uh, part, the last like inch or two and replant it and regrow the uh, green onions over and over. So I had this little kitchen garden. I had some bok choy. I had like basil and parsley. It was kind of cute but also once in a while like I would just end up neglecting it because I got too busy or something like that and think things would either get moldy or shrivel up and die one of those things um so that was my like intro back into the world of plant parenting um and then we also had at work we have these like enrichment classes sometimes you know to keep us social and just to help us learn things and do something fun and we had a class with uh, Hilton Carter, who is a plant stylist. He was doing videos for a while for um, apartment therapy. And then he like designs things too. Like I think he has a, he has a line out right now of like fake plants and like planters and stuff like that with Target, which I think he got some flack from uh, doing that. But uh, anyway, he really helped me in that class. So that I appreciate. Um, one of the things that he said was that um, for anyone who thinks that they have a black thumb, um, to, he basically encouraged us to stop believing that myth about ourselves and to just start trying to understand um, more about plants so that we could be successful plant parents. And it was more kind of like, um, he, he basically said, kind of treat them like 
pets. So you don't get, you know, 50 pets all of a sudden. You just get like one or two and you figure out how to keep your pets happy. And um, once you're you're good at that, then you get, can get more. But it's kind of like you should know their names, know what they need, like when do they need to eat? Do they need water? When do they need fertilizer? When do you need to not water them? So because overwatering, we'll talk about that later. It's a huge, huge uh, problem and a, a basic pitfall that former Black Thumbs do, i.e. me, uh, did a lot. Um, so that was really helpful. I also asked him a question that I'd really never thought about before, I think, was um, what are some good uh, pet safe plants to to have indoors and so he rattled off like two or three names I think I immediately got a parlor palm I got a pilea uh, oh I'm gonna screw up saying it Pe pepperomyodes that can't be right I heard someone say it yesterday and he said it so well and I want to know how to say it but I did not learn it uh, well enough for this podcast Whatever that pilea is, they have like um, they have like big round leaves that look like pancakes. So they're really cute. And I, I love mine. Um, I almost killed that one, too. And it's fine now. It's alive. Um, he also mentioned um, calatheas, which I also like because it sounds like alatheas. Um, so I have a calathea rattlesnake um, that is on the... Uh, Calax shelf in the dining room where I keep my sewing stuff and the cats like to go and lie down next to it and you know sun themselves in the morning because it gets a lot of sun over there and I know Calathea is traditionally supposed to be kind of like indirect bright light or even like shade or like thrive in low light but um it's doing really well over there so I'm not I'm not mad at it. I actually put another generally shade loving plant next to it um, and it hasn't burned. Um, and then I also put a polka dot plant, which is a hypoestes, which really likes a lot of direct sun and um, just the way that I've arranged them in this little triangle on that uh, bookshelf, um, I think is is enough to help the both of them that need a little less direct sun have managed not to burn in that location and then the polka dot plant which really needs a lot of sun in order to show its variegation so normally the leaves are really green um, but if it's getting a lot of sunlight it'll turn pink or white and I have the pink kind so, so some of the leaves are actually like really deep magenta right now because it's getting so much sun um but it's, it's finally growing back again after I almost killed it with overwatering. We will talk about this at length. Um, and then I think the other thing, there are many things in the last like year that have, you know, just slowly been building me up to becoming a plant person again. Uh, one of them is my friend Casey. Uh, her Instagram is Hapa Gardner, H-A-P-A gardener and 
she has a beautiful outdoor garden. She has indoor plants too, but also she has three chickens and a dog and a cat. They're all really adorable. I love my friend. I love you, Casey, if you're, in case you're listening to this. <laughs> and um, I find her photographs very beautiful and inspirational. And she's also, I think because uh, one of the things that I have tried to do with this podcast is like not serve you that Instagram ready, you know, everything's perfect kind of look. It's more just kind of like, this is how my house really looks. This is what clean likes for me. It looks like for me on a regular basis and not something that I staged for a photograph. I feel like um, Casey's photos are a lot like that, even though they are really gorgeous and beautiful. And like I, I have made jigsaw puzzles out of them because I think they're so gorgeous. I also think they're not overly like manicured or like um, uh, they're like pretty and beautiful in a natural way, but not like she's trying to, um, hide anything or like, you know, crop, crop out the unpleasant looking parts. She'll, she'll, she'll show you her whole garden. Um, uh, and then I think one of the major steps that I, uh, took in terms of my plant education was instead of just going with the first Google search result, um, I would, I would learn the name of the plant that I was trying to grow. And then I would read at least three or four articles, like separate sources about it, um, before I, you know, would kind of land on, okay, is the, does this need this much light or that much light? Is this when I water or is that when I water? I wouldn't take just the first search result as like, this is how this plant likes things. I would look it up and watch videos and look at different things just to see, you know, if there was any variations or maybe some people have more in-depth um, information on their website than, than on others. And there would be like this little tidbit like, oh, you should pop this in a terracotta pot instead of a plastic one, things like that. Um, and I also would take notes. Normally, I would say take the notes on paper and like stick them to your plant. But sometimes that doesn't look very good. I know for me, for me, again, I'm not trying for that picture perfect Instagram, like everything's white and clean and tidy aesthetic. I'm just more like uh, trying to avoid creating additional clutter where I don't need to. And so I have been keeping spreadsheets with the information Um that I need to help me take better care of my plants. So, so that I don't forget. And I keep, I uh, will put the link to where I read the information. And then I kind of have like a running um, chart of like, this is how much light this is, when it should get fertilized. This is when its blooming period is, or uh, this is how to propagate it. Those kinds of information. We'll talk a lot about propagation. I feel like I might need another episode to go really in depth into propagation. Like I'm just going to skim over it in this one. Otherwise, this episode's going to be super long. Um, so and then once I had um, kind of information or like gotten comfortable enough with the two or three plants that I had on hand um, is when I started uh, adding to my collection because then at least I would get to the point where like, okay, I know this needs to dry out um, for a week or 10 days before I water it again. And then 
um, it would give me confidence. Like with that, that seeing that plant thrive or seeing that plant produce new growth or something like that would give me the confidence that I'd reach that understanding of what makes that plant live. Um, and that I could add another one to my repertoire, which is, look, this is all a slippery slope. This is just another form of hoarding. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but um, uh, it's also, I, I find it too rewarding to stop. Like, I, it, if I didn't get so much um, stress relief and relaxation and joy from uh, plant parenting, I wouldn't be doing it or telling you to do it. So, um Let's talk about where to get your plants. Uh, plants are pretty much readily available, I think, most places. And you'll find them in weird spots sometimes. There are your big box stores, like a lot of hardware stores are also will also sell plants. I personally, in Southern California, I really love Armstrong Garden Centers. But there are also a lot of um, little mom and pop plant shops that you can find. Um, Trader Joe's, which are, are very, there's so many of them in Southern California, but they also usually have great little plants that are very inexpensive. So those are great to get. Um, I also love their cut flowers, but again, I haven't been going to Trader Joe's that much in the last year. So um, uh, yeah, that's just a general, general thing a, a place where you might look and not necessarily expect to see them i've seen plants at 99 cent stores that's not bad i i would recommend also um just kind of you get what you pay for like take it a grain of salt unless you're buying the one dollar cacti at ikea the 99 cent you know flat of uh flowers and stuff that you get at the at the dollar tree or or what have you, isn't going to last very long. They're really cheap because they're not meant to live more than a year. They're usually annuals. And they just really mean like they, they last the season and then they go to seed. And if you're lucky next year, they'll grow back from the seeds if you kept all of them. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're cheap because they don't live very long. Um, there's also local small businesses and a couple that I've been patronizing in my neighborhood. Um, they've actually moved recently, but, uh, Greenwood Shop in Studio City is really fun. I actually, it's not so much their, their plants, their plants can get really expensive, um, which not to knock them. I mean, I'm sure their rent is like really expensive because this is Southern California and they have like an, uh, you know, a brick and mortar store. Um, but they also, they just have a really great aesthetic. And I think that, uh, Jamie who owns the shop. Um, really puts a lot of hard work into finding um, healthy and good plants. Um, and I just love the aesthetic and the enthusiasm that their employees have. I love their Instagram stories. They're very like stress relieving for me, even though they don't do as many as they used to kind of in the thick of the pandemic, where I'm sure it was really difficult to get foot traffic into the store. Um, and I don't think that they sell plants online anymore they might ship planters out I think you really have to go to the store or shop of their shop off their Instagram stories or something like that um but it's I think it's a really great small business and if you're ever in the neighborhood of Studio City I think you should look them up and pop in it's a beautiful shop um the other local small business that I've been patronizing with my dollars uh is called Jenga's Plants so Jenga is um She's a nurse. She just graduated. Well, I hope she gets a nursing job soon if that's 
what she wants but also i really i i love and admire the uh hustle that she has for this um plant business uh she does she stocks a lot of rare plants and she also has like such a wealth of knowledge that she's super willing to share um so like watch her instagram stories you know I think she might also have a TikTok. I almost never look at my own TikTok even. So, um, uh, but yeah, she um, has gorgeous plants. Um, I think also just the variety of them and that uh, they're kind of unusual. Like you would, th these are generally plants that you wouldn't spot like walking into the Home Depot or the Lowe's or something like that. Like it's a very different, and she also does, she hates succulents. So no succulents there. Um, I also have another friend and I'll, I'll put her Instagram in the, um, show notes, um, gardening with Bella who specializes in succulents and they're beautiful. She just does really gorgeous arrangements and I've gotten a bunch from her and uh, I, yes, I have managed to kill most of them. <laughs> I have three that are still alive um, of the of the ones that she has sold to me. So, and that's super not her fault. It's it's me and succulents are hard. Um, <laughs> but so gardening with Bella, if you like succulent, she does really beautiful arrangements with them. Um, and I think she does a lot of um, pop-ups as well. So uh, I think... If you're listening to this on Saturday, June 12th, I forget if Bella has one, but I'm pretty sure Jenga's Plants is at one. Um, so I'll put that in the show notes, even though it's really only good for one day, but you should always check their Instagrams for um, whether they have a coupon or an event coming up or a pop-up or some kind of sale happening. Um, and just in general, like I think they really show a lot of like creativity and artistry and um, just a general love for plants. Uh, I'll, I'll probably put a lot of plant Instagrams listed in the show notes, just the ones that I really love to follow and watch. Um, let me talk really briefly about Etsy. So, uh, this is probably like the place where it is easiest for me to drop an unreasonable amount of money because uh, there's, especially if you're trying to get free shipping from a particular store, then you might order plants that you didn't necessarily need or want. Um, I think I've been fairly good and just been getting ones that I actually did want. I do have a trick though, maybe not a trick, but just like advice. If you are buying plants from Etsy, I think think generally most of the time it is a really good idea to narrow down the location of the shop to um, an area that is local to you. So like maybe your state, uh, sometimes you can pick the actual city that you're in or like the county that you're in um, only because uh, the plants, plants have really specific needs as I've said before and um, your local businesses even your local Etsy businesses are much more likely to carry plants that will thrive in the place where you live so rather than like ordering a random plant from someone who's selling them in Michigan but you don't live in Michigan or order it from someone who sells in your town because um I mean it's possible too that they've imported it from somewhere else, but if they were actually the growers or if they or their grower was within the state, you probably have 
um, a higher chance of getting a plant that will be healthy and thrive in in your location in the world. Um, so just a little Etsy shopping advice. Um, and then let's talk about succulents really, really quick. So my aunt Marissa, Tita Marisa, um, let me take so many succulents from her garden. Um, this is kind of what happens. I actually have other friends who have done the same. Um, uh, my friend Rose has given me a ton of beautiful succulents from her garden as well uh, she, and they basically did the same thing they had like a big shipping box and they just like started ripping things out of the ground or like you know breaking them in half and throwing them into the in the box and then when I got home uh, all I did was wait about a day for all of the ends to callus over and then I stuck them in the dirt and um, actually from Rose's collection of plants that she gave me I only really killed one uh, and sadly that was the one that I wanted the most she she gave me this beautiful um, ficus I think it's a tanaki or ruby tanaki something like that it's like red pink green and white and a like a beautiful variegated uh, rubber plant and sadly that was the one that I ended up killing I think it wasn't getting enough sun where I had put it and it just never grew roots. It just, it looked like it was alive, but it wasn't really, it was just like in stasis and it took a really long time to die, but it eventually died and I'm sad about it. But all of the succulents that she gave me are doing really, really well. Um, I've only had a week or so with the ones that I got from Tita Marisa. So I'll post an update uh, on those soon. But also what my friend calls plant porn, which is the photographs that I took of her entire garden. You, you can expect a lot more of that uh, coming to um, my Instagram soon. So definitely check there if you love plants. I, I will be posting all of those pictures. Um, I also have another friend. I didn't take anything from her garden at that time, which I am sort of glad I didn't because I well, I my garden grew exponentially. Um, like I can't even calculate. Um, and I actually was giving plants away to my friend Nicole. Uh, so I felt like it would be weird to take more plants from her when I had just brought her three big jasmine plants. Um, so, and I think also, um, in terms of figuring out uh, whether or not you're being a good plant parent to a plant, um, I had figured, I had offered it up on Facebook to my friends because I didn't feel that my patio was the best location for these jasmine plants. We'd had them for about five years. They bloomed a couple of times, but also they just weren't doing that well. Like one, we are terrible pruners. And um, also something that I learned from Nicole was I was supposed to repot these as they grew and I just never repotted them for five years and so their roots were a mess. So she fixed all of that and hopefully I'm hoping that the jasmine plants will now like grow and produce and be better for her because they do smell really nice when they're blooming but um, I think we could only really get them to bloom for us like once a year like for for a week or two or something like that which is a very little payoff for all the work and watering and fertilizing and so forth so hopefully that rehab um, works I, I know I have other friends who have had similar situations where they realize that their 
plant is dying and um, they offer it up to someone else who uh, can do a better job with it. So I know my friend Twee has taken things back to her mom who also has a serious green thumb. And her mom just nursed them back to life. Like, she'll come back in a couple of months or send a picture. And it'll have gone from, like, near death to, like, super lush and green and having babies. So, um, a main thing on succulents is that uh, they do want to have well-draining soil in general. And a lot of them are going to want um, either indirect bright light or sometimes even direct bright light. Um, so uh, one of the things that I was doing wrong for a long time was keeping them indoors in uh, an area behind my standing desk that mostly had low, very low indirect light most of the day. And what that does to your succulents is it makes them reach for the sun and it stretches them out and they look really weird. A lot of them are supposed to look really short, compact, like rosette, um, almost like um, like mandala-like arrangement of petals. And um, what if you are finding that you have succulents and they are stretching, the reason for that is they're not getting enough light. So they need either grow light or they need to go outside um, where they're going to get enough sun to um, correctly form. Um, the other thing that I learned this week was, well, I think I knew it, but I also hadn't researched into it enough, was that a lot of the time if you have a succulent that has stretched or atoliated, um, there's kind of no going back from that. You, you can, uh, you should um, cut it up and or like twist the leaves off. Cutting the leaves off is actually not that great. Twisting them off, but uh, as long as you don't tear the leaf, um, will actually help them. Uh, what happens is the piece after it calluses often hardens, and if you place it on some soil after it has hardened, um, some kind of hormonal reaction in it happens that tells it to grow roots in a certain direction. So it should, once it's hardened off and spent a little time, it'll start reaching for water. So if you put it on some very lightly misted, don't drown it. Like it'll rot really if you, if you put too much liquid. There is this comic that I sent um, my coworker this week um, that was uh, a comic where there was like a cup of water and a succulent and the top part says amount of water needed to for a, a succulent to live and the bottom part is the amount of water uh, needed for a succulent to die and it's the same amount of water so yeah um, I think it's also uh, an understanding of um, like it's really, really forces you to take a look at um, whether you're putting a plant in an area because you're decorating that area for yourself, or if you're putting a plant in the correct place for it to live and thrive in your space while it's also being decorative. Um, and generally, uh, I think the, the black thumb, the former black thumb in me had this instinct of putting plants in the wrong place and not recognizing the signs 
that that placement was incorrect for the plant and kind of like trying to design around it but not instead it should be the other way around figure out where your plant is happiest and then you can design and organize your room around it which actually has been working really well for me lately so um, I have most of my plants actually outside and it's really looking beautiful and then I have about a half dozen or so that are indoors that are doing really well in here and um, another thing once you've found the spot for your plant generally try to keep it there um, I have this bad habit again this is from my black thumb days and sometimes it rears its ugly head and I have to just recognize it and do the right thing. I always want to try to move my plants around. Again, decorating for me instead of um, putting it where it's going to live well. So <laughs> um, just recognize when you're doing that. Um, if you make the change, it's going to take several days to a couple of weeks to figure out whether that move was right for your plant or not. And there's certain plants too, like I hear fiddle leaf figs are really um, finicky, but if you move something, you know, two inches from where it was used to as far as its light and whatever, that it'll basically die. <laughs> so I have been really afraid. I have um, a fiddle leaf fig. It got moved by someone else in the household. There's only one other person in my household. And that really panicked me, but luckily it has been okay. I put it back in the spot um, later in the week. We had to move some furniture around that my partner was um, out on the patio painting our patio table set. Um, and so that's the reason it got moved and it really scared me a lot, but then it was okay. Um, so I hope it continues to be okay and you will see that on Instagram, uh, whether it lives or dies. Um, Another thing is, uh, I think there's also this myth that there are plants that thrive in low light. It's not necessarily true, and Jenga's plants will tell you, she has this really cute video that she put out this week, that she was like, show me the plants that thrive in low light, and then she like points to a blank wall. She's like, all of these, nothing thrives without light. Um, Definitely, if you are thinking of putting houseplants, um, even the ones that are purportedly shade or low light lovers, definitely plan on having some kind of supplemental light. So grow lights usually start at about $20. There are also some little more expensive ones that are meant for specific um, like different light spectrums and things that have timers and all this kind of thing. So depending on your budget and your aesthetic and what kind of plants that you have, you may want to consider getting a grow light um, so that even in even if your space typically doesn't have a lot of natural light, that you can still have plants uh, there and still provide the amount of light that they need. Um, other things that I've learned... Uh, Light and air placement probably matter the most uh, as far as just like when you first bring your plant home with you. The second thing is going to be overwatering. Uh, and this is something I'm not, you know, I'm not coming at you for it. It's a thing. I have done it. I still do it even though I know better. 
Um, Overwatering usually comes from having this idea of um, how much water your plant needs without actually having looked up on the internet several sources that tell you how much water that plant needs. Um, I've made the mistake of underwatering as well. So like my polka dot plant really likes to, um, like it'll grow immersed in water. It likes to generally have wet soil. Um, but I have also overwatered it, which, you know, upon reading the first article, I didn't think was possible. But the flip side of that is that um, keeping soil moist, like evenly moist and soggy all the time, also makes it a prime breeding ground for pests. So I can't, I don't even like saying their names. You can get spider mites. Um, mealy worms, you can get thrips, which are awful, you can get aphids if they're outside, like there's there's lots of different, or fungus gnats, ugh, I'm just grossing myself out naming pests that grow from overwatering. It basically makes like, um, uh, mold is the other thing, that is a huge problem. Um, so try not to overwater. What you can do to stop yourself from overwatering is either using your finger and like sticking it in the dirt. And if you feel moisture in like the top, again, it's going to vary by plant. Some things say three quarters of an inch. Some things say two inches. Um, definitely look it up and see what it is supposed to be for your plant. Um, you'll usually want to water thoroughly either from the top uh, of the surface and completely all around, not just the base of the plant, but all of the soil that is in the pot. The other thing that you can do to avoid overwatering is um, once you've checked whether it's time to water, so checking to see if the soil is dry, you can also use a chopstick or um, there's a hydrometer that you can get that will tell you if it's dry. Um, the other thing that you can do instead of pouring water into and displacing the soil that's on top or making like a soggy mess for mold to grow in is you can um, put water into a basin or bowl. I usually use a plastic tub like a laundry tub. Fill it with water. They'll want, generally they will want tepid to warm water, like lukewarm, not hot enough that you think it's hot water and not cold water because that will, sh either temperature extreme will shock most plants. You want kind of medium tepid, warm, room temperature, lukewarm water. Fill it with water and then place the plant um, with its drainage holes in the bottom of the pot, place it in the water, set a timer for, again, this is going to vary by your plant. I usually do 10 minutes for most plants and sometimes I forget. So if I'm being particularly forgetful, I'll set it to five minutes and then I'll like sit there and read a book until the um, timer goes off. And then uh, once the time is up, take it out, make sure that it drains completely. You might want to set it on something else that is going to allow the water to drain. I usually have like little plastic, you know, like deli containers and stuff like that, or a tray or something. Or I'll set it kind of at a tilt so that I can see that the water is coming out. And when no more water is coming out of the bottom of the pot, then I know I can put it back in its planter or whatever. Usually I have a decorative planter or pot that it sits in that isn't um, just the growing pot that it came in. 
Um, and then to also catch bugs, here's the other thing. So one, learn how not to overwater. That will help you with the amount of bugs that you are accidentally growing in your plants um, or in the soil around them. Uh, you can get little um, sticker traps. They're usually yellow so that they're attracting the pests to them. They're super sticky. I actually think they're really ugly. I really prefer, and I couldn't get any of the, um, they're like flat strips that are folded in half, so it's kind of like a teardrop shape. I like those better than the, there's kitschy little ones that they look like a butterfly or a flower or something. I actually really hate those. Um, but it, out of necessity, I've gotten some before because I just, I needed to reduce the amount of bugs that we had. The other thing that you can get is a, um, I have a catchy bug trap. This is not an ad for catchy. I'm just letting you know this is what I bought myself. Um, and it basically has like a um, different spectrum light. Uh, that you can, you basically put it in a dark room, you can set it to automatic, and it'll turn off when um, the lights are on. Um, it has a little sticker at the bottom, and there's a little fan, so the light attracts the bugs, the fan sucks them in, and the sticker at the bottom of the trap will hold them until they're dead, basically. And um, the stickers actually have been really economical. I think one is that we didn't actually have so many flies and gnats and fungus fungus gnats in our home. Um, so I actually have had this um, contraption for like a good seven months or more and I've never had to replace the sticker still. So I probably have like eight years worth of stickers <laughs> that came that came with a trap that I might never get to because it takes so long to to um, finish one. Um, what else for pests? The other things that people recommend, neem oil is a very um, popular thing that people recommend that you spray on your plants. However, neem oil is super smelly. I really hate it. I once, I had a colocasia, I had two colocasia uh, bulbs on my patio that got aphids and I was so bummed because even though it wasn't a plant that I had wanted, I had actually someone accidentally sent them to me but they're also really pretty and I wanted to make sure that they would live and then aphids got them um, there's advice that um, ladybugs get rid of aphids however uh, I'll link an episode of the epic gardeners like Instagram tutorials where he talks about not getting ladybugs um, that they're kind of a waste of money so I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence with that. I did try the neem oil. I basically used an entire full bottle of full strength neem oil and that barely got rid of the aphids. Um, and my patio smelled for like almost a month. So again, not recommended. I think there are other um, essential oils that you can use. They're not as effective as neem oil, but I also didn't find neem oil that effective. I just, I'm trying not to use actual pesticides on my plants for reasons that I would like to not have pesticides in my life. So, <laughs> um, yeah, pest, pest, this is also where it is most adjacent to, um, cleaning related things is try not to overwater so that you don't get pests. If you do get pests, um, 
try non-toxic ways to get rid of them first. Another piece of advice was to just basically try to drown them by like attacking them with like the force of water, like a hose or something like that, but we don't have a hose. So I've tried spraying things off. That's really difficult. Tried the neem oil. That did help, but was took a lot and it, it was very smelly. Um, another thing that I can say about that is to not try not to reuse your soil too much. Um, I'm generally very frugal or like I'm ashamed about how much money that I spend on plants and so I try to skimp by reusing soil. But soil, one soil that has been used a lot will ha not have enough nutrients really to support um, new plants. So. Uh, the other thing being that if it had any diseases or mold or pests before um, and then the plant died that was in it, those diseases or whatever is negatively impacting the soil might still be there even if you transfer it to another, or even if it has sat for a while and like dried out and you watered it again and then you put a different plant in it, you could still reactivate um, those, you know, any bacteria or whatever is causing issues with your previous plants so try to get new soil um, or I at least identify if you have soil that um, the plants that were there were having some kind of problems again mold um, blight of any kind is usually bacterial caused uh, pests and things like that then that soil might be a good candidate for uh, like using for I don't know. It's basically trash. <laughs> uh, I have been taking my trash soil and putting it in like the common area landscaping in our apartment building. So we have these um, really large rectangles of, of basically, it's not even really dirt, like it's just dust. Um, and there are really big um, bushes and things like that that grow in the dust, even though there's like hardly any nutrition and hardly any rain because this is Southern California. Um, but they also, I've just been taking the soil and kind of throwing it on top or like mixing it in with the dust to try to uh, give the plants a little more nutrient and also kind of tamp down the uh, amount of dust that like gets blown up when there's wind or things like that. So I don't know if that's helping, but that's also, you know, don't, I'm just trying not to put soil in the trash because the trash goes to the dump and the dump just kind of sits there. Um, I, it would be really um, best since especially a lot of it is organic compound to just go back to the ground. Um, let me see what else did I want to talk about before this gets too super long. I think we're nearing an hour already. Ooh, it's telling <laughs> my anchor app is telling me to keep an eye on the clock because I'm I've recorded for almost an hour now. Um, uh, water. Let's talk about that. Um, filtered versus tap water. A, a lot of people probably just water their plants with whatever is coming out of the tap. Do you consider that if you have a plant that looks like it's dying despite you watering it, that you might be using the wrong kind of water? Um, so it, generally residential area tap water has things added into it to make it either safe or more than safe for like better for us to drink like fluoride and things like that um so there are plants like aluminium aluminium um uh 
I think it might be Pilea Kateri. I'll have to look that up because that might be wrong. There's a plant that I have that only drinks filtered water. Um, it does not like tap water. I have nearly killed it several times with tap water. It, it took me a while to figure it out, but now I have it. It's thriving. Um, the other thing that you can do, uh, even if you filtered the water, there might be still other chemicals that don't um, get taken out by the filter. You can also leave the water in a container uncovered overnight, like leave it for 24 hours, and then um, basically the, you know, whatever gas that is should dissipate and be replaced by oxygen in the water, which is what your plants will need. Um, so yeah, try to use filtered if you can. If you, uh, I usually use when I'm doing um, kind of volume watering, I'll use tap water, but I will also um, gather it from the tap um, and give it at least several hours if you can't do a whole day of waiting, at least an hour or two of waiting so that, um, you know, those gases can dissipate. Um, and then lastly, uh, I wanted to talk about planters. Um, I... I think because I'd been exposed to a lot of like Tumblr and Instagram, like Plantstagram, these very like super pretty, um, you know, just kind of modern looking planters that are really tapered or white and that kind of thing. I had this image in my mind that that is what I needed to kind of get my plants on. And once I bought some, and they were cheap, it was like $15 for 15 on Amazon, these like white, um, uh, they're tapered plastic planters, and they come with a little dish, and they look really great on the computer. Um, but once I got them, kind of once I had put a couple of different plants in them, even though they're kind of, they're good for covering up the grow pot that plants come in. Uh, however, they don't necessarily look good with everything, and they I think they particularly don't look great in a group. So I've been trying to break up where they are so that I don't have so many things in the same little white planter. It looks very, I don't know, it looks boring. Um, I've been getting planters, a lot of them I've gotten from Greenwood Shop. A couple of them I got just by chance, like someone moved out and our handyman was like, do you want these planters? He said yes. Um, and then I've also been just kind of reusing um, other items that were around the house. Uh, I also had some ceramics uh, that I had made personally in classes from the past, and I've used those as containers as well. Um, so just kind of keep your eye out. Sometimes you'll get them from friends. Uh, I have uh, my friend Nicole, who I mentioned earlier, who also loves succulents, and she took my jasmine plants off of my hands because I wasn't taking good care of them. She loves to go to estate sales um, and get them there. So there's many different places or like creative reuse things that you can do to um, have places for your plants to live. So just kind of keep your eye out and uh, don't get sucked in like I did to have those, you know, super modern white tapered plastic, really boring containers. <laughs> Speaking of plant Instagram and plant tube and plant talk. So YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, my, I would say my all time favorite is always Tumblr plant aesthetics, but 
all of those uh, other social media areas are also good to get information uh, about plants. I don't like Facebook as much for it, but um, I think uh, the videos and tutorials and photographs that you can see regarding plants are usually very fun, and a lot of those plant accounts are really... Um, some of them give bad information sometimes, like I wouldn't really cut the burned parts off your leaves and things like that. I say just leave them on. Let it, let it be. It's natural. Um, but a lot of them do uh, provide a lot of information uh, and care information and propagation information for plants. And I think they also just really serve a, a, a good purpose of um, trying to get other people interested and excited about plant care. So <laughs> I will be including a lot of those in the show notes since they're kind of hard to talk about. I would just be reading you a list of usernames. That's kind of weird. Um, so my next challenge I have put forth for myself is to learn how to propagate more. Um, I'm propagating right now some succulents that I received from my aunt and um, the polka dot plant that is in my bright window. Uh, I also want to learn how to grow things from seed, particularly things that you can eat. Right now I just have some plants that I bought from the hardware store, uh, like some strawberries and parsley and basil, but I would really like to expand that repertoire. Um, I also want to do composting, so I've been um, watching uh, Epic Gardener videos. Uh, he was another um, plant person that they had teach us a class last year, and I've had a failed try at composting here in our apartment. It was kind of hard because we had this like tumbling composter, and because of the placement that I had to put it in on the patio, it would just never get um, enough like heat and pressure going on to actually compost. It just everything was dusty and still the thing that I put in there, but just more dusty and or moldy. Um, so I would like to figure out composting eventually, um, just because I do feel especially bad about the amount of waste that I've participated in during this our pandemic year. Um, and then the other thing that I want to do is learn how to macrame. Um, I, bought, I have materials for it already. I don't really need to buy any more. Um, and I bought a couple of books. Um, a couple of them in digital form so I don't create more clutter, but a couple that weren't available digitally I did have to buy in regular book form. And I'm just uh, really excited because I have a mini staycation coming up this week and I think I'm going to spend at least one of those days trying to teach myself macrame. Um, so stay tuned for more pictures from that endeavor. Hopefully that, that pans out into something. Um, okay, and I think that's actually all I had to say about plants for this episode. I wanted to do more, but it's already so long, uh, so I think I'm just going to have to do a follow-up episode sometime in the future. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any plant photos, videos, before and afters, um, and plant checks, hashtag plant check, which is what I like to do on TikTok. If you would like to share any of those with the rest of the podcast audience, please use the hashtag CleanYourRoomPodcastChallenge to share these on Instagram and TikTok. Again, you can follow me on both platforms at CleanYourRoomPodcast. I'm also on Twitter as FruitJuice, that's F-R-O-O-T-J-O-O-S. We also have a Facebook page if you'd like to discuss, ask questions, or share your cleaning challenges. The Facebook group is paused, but you can still find me on the official Clean Your Room podcast public page.
You can find links to all of these from my social media profiles on my link tree and at cleanyourroompodcast.com. You can leave me an audio message or send me an email. You can find the links to how to send an audio message on cleanyourroompodcast.com. You can also email into info at cleanyourroompodcast.com. Again, you'll find this and all the rest of the links I've mentioned on my website and social profiles. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so in a variety of ways. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. You can rate or review the show. You can make a monthly contribution through our anchor.fm page, and you can even shop from our bookshop page, which also supports independent bookstores across the country with every purchase. Find us at bookshop.org shop slash clean your room podcast. Clean Your Room Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Alethea Aliare. The original opening music is called Bubble Guts, also composed by me. The podcast logo was illustrated by Ashlyn Anstey. You can find more about her artwork and writing at ashlynna.com. That's A-S-H-L-Y-N-A.com. She also has a podcast with her husband, Grant Cardi, called Freshlyn Party, which you should definitely check out. This episode was sponsored by and produced on Anchor FM. Thanks again for listening. This is Alethea signing off and reminding you to clean your room. And not to water your plants too much. <laughs>